Good morning. Brothers and sisters, today's scripture reading contains what is arguably the best and most important verse in all the Bible. It also contains what may be one of the worst stories of the Hebrew people and Yahweh ever told in the Old Testament. For Christians are, from the very beginning of our faith, know that this morning's reading from John contains one of the most important, well-known verses spoken by Jesus in all the Gospels. A verse that, in the not-so-distant past, could literally have been seen written on signs and held up at just about every sporting event in the country. John 3.16. And why was that, the verse chosen from the entire Bible, to be held up and passed along to anyone who might see it and choose to read it? Well, because within that single verse, in just 35 words or less, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, the whole of Christian salvation history is contained. That's how important John 3.16 remains to this day. At the same time this morning, that first reading we heard from the book of Numbers in the Hebrew Pentateuch is arguably one of the worst descriptions of the Judeo-Christian God ever written in sacred text. In just six verses, everything that seems to make the God of the Old Testament appear so incredibly different from the God and Father of Jesus Christ in the New Testament is laid out. First, we begin with the very whiny, agitated Israelite people. We have to remember that at this moment in Numbers, those Israelites are still in the middle of their exodus, being delivered from slavery in Egypt by a loving God under the leadership of their greatest prophet, Moses. But when we find the people in the middle of the wilderness this morning, they sound a little bit more like a bunch of spoiled, unappreciative children. They are apparently sick to death of having to walk through the wilderness, and they're sick to death of the food that God is providing for them out there in the desert. And they're just about ready to turn that wagon around and head back to slavery in Egypt. And when God hears their grumblings, God is apparently just as fed up with them as they are of him. So the scripture says that God decides to conjure up a slew of poisonous serpents and unleash them upon the whiny Israelites. The story in Numbers tells us those frightening snakes immediately Go to work biting and killing the Israelites one by one. That's what the Bible says. And I really don't know what's worse in that story. The whiny Israelites complaining about their poor food options or the image we are given of a vengeful, equally childish God who just decides in his own anger to send a brood of vipers on the people and let them die in excruciating painful death by poison. However you look at it, it certainly doesn't really make me want to give praise to God and fall on my knees, now does it? That is, unless maybe you're scared to death yourself about what poisonous snakes that this God might let loose on you, should you complain this morning about how long the rector's sermon might be. But I have to tell you, as much as it may surprise you, I believe that if you just spend a little more time digging into both of these seemingly very different scripture readings this morning, you will actually find out 
that they are completely interwoven one to the other in more ways than you thought. Both scripture readings, no matter how much the opposite they sound, actually have a very similar message, which we will find that Jesus himself is trying to communicate. First, to good old Nicodemus in the middle of the night in that third chapter of John's gospel, and then all these thousands of years later to all of us and to the entire world. That's where we find ourselves on this wonderful Rose Sunday in the season of Lent. Yes, there's no question that there's a lot more talk of God's love in the Gospels this morning. But it is Jesus himself in that same most famous passage of Scripture who kicks it all off by directly going back and referencing the book of Numbers and its lifting up of the bronze serpent. And while love seems to be lacking from that story from Numbers this morning, the essential end message is actually the same. Those who trust and believe in God will not perish. And those who cannot trust and believe have already condemned themselves and robbed themselves of the greatest love that's ever been offered. And somehow it is all connected to this odd command of God, first in Numbers and eventually in the Passion stories of Jesus, to place a sign of this struggle between sin and love upon a pole in order to lift it up for all to look upon and to see. That symbol will first be the serpent in the time of Exodus, and then thousands of years later, the symbol will become a living, breathing, divine human being, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and the light of the world. The first pole God calls for, the pole with that bronze snake mounted upon it, is a symbol of that which has always afflicted humanity, the serpent of old, dating all the way back to the Jewish story of creation in the book of Genesis. It is an image of the physical and the spiritual serpent who has always embodied the very sin that can bring poison and death into our human lives. And then all those years after Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, will say this about that very bronze serpent. Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It is a new revelation this morning that that which will lift up the Son of Man for all to see and believe will not this time be a simple pole or a staff. It will be a cross with Jesus himself hanging upon it. The Son of Man will be lifted up this time as the true image of that which will take all the sin upon itself and suffer the cost of sin, which is death, for the whole world in order to finally destroy sin and death once and for all and save all of us who are constantly afflicted by the sins that bite and pull us in temptation. The bronze snake, therefore, on the pole is the symbol of the cause, while Jesus hanging on the cross is the embodiment of the saving grace and love of God that is the only thing that can defeat sin and death. God wanted the people to look upon that bronze serpent first and understand what God was healing them from. 
While God now wants the people to look upon the Son of Man hanging on the cross to see the love that God was willing to give up to save not just one group of people wandering through the desert, but now to save the whole world. With that said, Jesus finds himself open to move on deeper into the heart of God's mission of love for the salvation and restructuring of creation. John 3.16 captures Jesus' message perfectly, especially if you have it memorized from the way Jesus said it from the King James Version of the Bible. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is all to say, no matter what translation you read, that whosoever trusts in Jesus, the love of God made flesh, shall have a life that is fully eternal and goes beyond that which we all face, which is physical death, with the hope and promise of defeating that death as Jesus first defeated it in his resurrection. That's God's love. And as hard as it is to see that love clearly in that first reading from Numbers chapter 21, that love was still there when God responded to the people with mercy, lifting that evil serpent up on a pole to give the grumbling, sinful, selfish people of that particular time another chance to be reunited and physically saved from death and restored to God's impenetrable love. Really, the best way, I think, to understand both the book of Numbers this morning and its important connection to the Gospel of John is perhaps to hold them both in your heart and mind and read again from the middle Scripture passage this morning given to us by that first great theologian of our faith, the Apostle Paul. This morning in that middle reading, he binds together what feels like two complete opposites in the Bible. St. Paul says to the church in Ephesus and really to all of us who are walking in this world right now amid so many serpents and sins, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's Paul binding these two tough and opposite scriptures together. We were already dead from the selfishness and sin we committed by our own nature our own leanings as children of wrath. And then God loved us all so much that he made us alive again with his incarnate son, Jesus Christ, who took all those sins upon himself and who dies with them for us on the cross. 
And then just as Jesus was raised on the cross and then raised again in his resurrection and defeat of death, God promises to raise you and me and seat us with Jesus in the heavenly places. And that raising up to heavenly places in the spiritual realm is that promise that those who believe in Christ inherit the same eternal life of Jesus. Not just physical life that goes on on this earth as creatures, but something so much greater. Eternal life as children created in God's very own image. That's what God's love is all about. Saving and restoring those of us created in his image and then placing us in our rightful place as his fellow sons and daughters. That's the message of Jesus I believe, found in that greatest verse of all time in the Bible, John 3.16, the incredible good news for all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what mistakes that we've made in life or how many serpents we've found ourselves bitten by as we've walked through our own deserts. God loved us so much that he sent his son so that whoever will believe and trust in Jesus to save them and hold them in God's love and walk with them through every pit and valley they face, will find that God has already given them life that will be eternal and has already began to restore them fully as God's children. That, brothers and sisters, is the most important message of the greatest story ever told for us to hold on to on this beautiful moment of respite in the season of Lent, this Rose Sunday in which we can see the flowers already beginning to bud and keep us focused on what's at the end of this desert, which is Jesus Christ on a cross and then Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Thanks be to God. Amen.